Put the fucking metronome on this. I hate no. that. I don't understand why that. Like, I want to turn it off. Why is that the default? Yeah. Why is that the default? And why is Beats and Project the default instead of Time? Absolutely. We're, no one here is making songs. <laughs> I doubt anyone's making songs. <laughs> Lillian Puzzle! What's up, Jen Ponton? Oh my god, I'm super ready for all the fun. Oh, I'm so ready. I'm so <laughs> I'm braced. I stretched out. Yeah? You mm-hmm. did some lunges? I you did some vocal up. warm-ups? I did. You did some trills? <laughs> <laughs> me, 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 me. You did some sirens and made sure that all of your neighbors regretted moving in next to you. <laughs> Boo! Q fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Fuck. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Don't miss those days. Uh, I should warm up um, more, though, legit. I really, I'm very lazy about that. And I just got back a video of me where I was like, <laughs> yeah, 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 you can tell. <laughs> I thought there was a new critter behind you in the background, but really it's your wig. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Yes, please meet my new platinum blonde cat. (laughs) Oh my God, so good. Or like a shih tzu. It looks like a shih tzu. Never in my life. Don really likes shih tzus. I... I got to tell you, I don't know what is wrong with me that I think about animals like this, but I just hate that they get those, like, the dirty tears. I hate. Oh, no. It just looks gross to me, and I don't know why. It's not actually dirty. There's nothing wrong with the dogs. They're very sweet and lovable. It's just like, why would would God put all that hair right there? Right. What what did you do wrong that God was like, you know what? Let me give you a bunch of matted material. Right next to your mucous membrane. Oh, I also don't. I also don't ever want an animal that I might have to cut poop pebbles out of their like butt hair. Like I cannot have Girl. a long-haired animal. I can't. Girl, my beloved little dog friend Maslow, right now. <laughs> oh no. Let me tell you. I mean, I have. I have no. I have no. I have no responsibility over that end of things. <laughs> but just like he has this glorious little beard, mm-hmm. this glorious little fucking Gandalf beard. <laughs> and I'm like, how how are you supposed to dog looking like this? <laughs> That's how, how I feel about the ones whose hair like naturally grows into its eyes. Like, yes. you know that humans did that. Like we bred them so that they were <laughs> they were fine without us. And then we were like, what oh, if we breed true. them this way? <laughs> And then they were, they like, were just naked dogs excuse to me, start no, with. I love naked animals. I love hairless. I told you we had a Chinese crested when I was little. Oh, my God. Yes, you did. Yep. Everything just feels like a warm butt. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, correct. Naked animals just feel like butt. Girl, this Mercury retrograde in every possible way. It's been so fucking bananas. It's been bananas. So bananas. The number of things that have just fallen apart. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but like not necessarily in a bad way, just in a way that like if you move forward and you're aware that that's going on, it helps you build in a little more grace. Sure. Someone asked me, like, how do you give yourself more permission during Mercury Retrograde? And I'm like, just remind yourself that the entire current of the universe is moving towards slowness and not workingness so that you don't get all Sisyphian, Sisyphian, 
Sisyphus. Sisyphian. Sisyphian? We should definitely keep this part in. We definitely should. Of or like Sisyphus. About it. Yes. Right. So you don't get all Sisyphus style about it. Like, because why waste your energy? Right. So I've just been reminding myself, like, hey, when you walk out the door and you're certain that you can make it just in time, maybe leave five to ten minutes oh, earlier. shoot. Right. If I could learn that lesson. I know. That's fair. I mean, I push that all the time. I never used to. Constantly. I used to be so good about it. I used to as well. Oh, I used to. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's all good. Um, Renewal. <laughs> I want to so much. Um, uh, uh, I am, but I am very, very excited about our brandy new podcast that is coming. Fuck buddies. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep talking about it. Dreading the boards. Follow it on the things. Follow it on the things. It's on Facebook and Instagram socially. I don't have to edit the name at all because we're not cursing in it, which is so easy. We're <laughs> dreading the boards at gmail.com. And we are looking for stories. We're looking for stories and we're looking for people to interview because unlike this, it's just going to be a fairly short form half hour style series that's exclusively about you. Mm-hmm. Or rather, the guest for the day. Yes. So um, we're looking for like two minute long voice memo stories. If you have one. And or less. If you contribute. have if you have something yeah. that's just a oh setup and a punchline, by all means. like Hell yes. <laughs> we love a little stick of gum. I mean, that's perfect. God. Snackable. Um, <laughs> or if you're like, I have endless stories and they're all so good and you've got to hear this crazy shit. Um, we have a Google form. So reach out to us and say, I want to I want to submit for an actual interview and we'll check it out. And if it seems like a great fit, then we'll get you on the calendar and we'll have an episode just for you. Yay. Yay. Also looking for podcast crossovers. So if you've got a podcast and you want to talk about your podcast on uh, on it and you want to talk to us about our podcast on your podcast. <laughs> We're getting a little in the weeds. No, no, but like, <laughs> like I think you're talking about like uh, advertising swaps, right? Not like a like a very special episode oh. of uh, are we or are we talking about like when Scooby Doo hangs out with the Harlem Globetrotters? Is that what we're talking about? I mean, yeah, we are definitely talking about like a content key party, but also not no to the first one. Content key party. <laughs> That's right. We're very groovy. <laughs> Copyright trademark. <laughs> Patent pending. <laughs> oh, my word. Oh, my word. But it's really exciting. And Lillian and I just do, just fucking jumped in the pool on that mm-hmm. over this weekend. And we're super excited. And, like, we know so many of you are performers or artists. And it's always really fun to trade these stories Mm -hmm. so we're really excited really 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 excited to hear yours and to talk a little bit about ours but really mostly our shit is here oh yep which you (laughs) uh actually speaking of all the fucks um you know i mean what can we say what can we say? It's every ourselves? last fuck. It's every fuck for itself. <laughs> I've, oh, <laughs> I've got some tea for you. Oh, tell me. So 
I was looking. I was looking at um, merch providers, mm-hmm. like uh, like people who just do, do T-shirts and stuff in case we wanted to make merch for any number of things that we're making together. And I was like, oh, maybe some inside jokes from episodes. And then <laughs> I was trying to figure out what episodes would be good. And Jory was like, because Jory's a statistician, Jory was like, how about you look at the episodes that people listen to the most? And let me tell you, Uh-oh. fuck buddies, <laughs> let me tell you Ruh-roh. what tea I have unearthed. I unearthed the tea that the top four episodes should should technically be episodes one, two, three, and four. Right. People finding the podcast and starting to binge. So you've got episode one, two, three, and then episode 57, All the Frenemies. <gasps> really? How Tea. interesting. Piping hot. <laughs> Which either means that you all are trying to figure out if you're on our bad side. <laughs> or, or what we really wanted it to mean was that it's so fucking relatable and nobody talks about uh-huh. it. And you all also need little band-aids on your hearts. For the friendships that you had that were really sucky and fucked around with your heart and soul. Mm-hmm. I'm going to choose to believe that, but also I do think, I just think it's really funny. That is very funny. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> so I did find that out. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Um, <laughs> yay. We haven't told you our stories in a while, so we're going to be doing a little bit of that today. But it's also still Halloween, so we're also going to read you some scary stories. And then you can also be, you know, conversely mortified for us. So it's just this lovely little hybrid mashup. Hybrid of, of, of mortification. Content key party. <laughs> yeah, content key party. I fucking love it. Also, hey, how are you? Hi, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I had uh, I woke up at four thirty in the morning and oh, couldn't get back to sleep. Yeah, you did. You texted. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, and what I like to do when I get up that early and can't can't get back to sleep is I like to take that time to make steel cut oats because that shit takes a full on half an hour. <laughs> so when I knew I wasn't going back to sleep by like six, I was like, all right, well, we're going to have some lovely fiber filled oatmeal this morning. And we did. And by we, I mean me. Lovely. And my thoughts. Yes. Um, <laughs> What'd you put in there? I did a tiny bit of journaling. And it's the oatmeal? Yeah. Oh, uh, salt, butter, and brown sugar. I should have put Lovely. some apples in. We have too many apples. It's October. We always have too many apples. <laughs> Did you also bring home yellow jackets? No, thankfully. <laughs> nope. Yeah. <Mm-mm. laughs> no, they they stayed at the coffee counter. Um, I I learned this. I learned this from Andrew, who passed this on to me, and then I just feel like everybody should know it. Uh, I thank God have not needed this advice very often. He is not a great sleeper, so he ha- he utilizes it all the time. But basically, the um, the the pith of it is that like if you wake up at something, you know, like at two, three, four, a time when you would normally want to go back to sleep, but your mind is like, "Hello, we're awake." If you wake up. Get up and do the thing. Yes. Yeah. Like fully get up and start writing or cooking or something. 
your brain just has to get it out. Yeah. If you try and continue to go back to sleep, your brain is probably just going to stay on and you're either going to sleep really weirdly uh-huh. or if at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just do the thing. So you made the oats. I did. But to anyone who has trouble sleeping, that... I mean, I know Andrew has done that a number of times. And as soon as he's done doing the thing that he's thinking about, he's like, he's out. He's fast asleep mm. like a baby. So, yeah, I mean, I uh, I watched a little more or I watched the final episode of um, Work in Progress from season two, which I really loved. Um, I ate my oatmeal. I wrote in my journal a little bit. And then when I went back to sleep at eight o'clock in the morning, I had... Terrible anxiety dreams that were like, oh my! God, I have the worst. I have recurring dreams that where I'm like, usually on Sundays, by the way, Sundays into Mondays, where I have I like, either I have to go back to college or like I'm in college and I can't graduate at the time that everybody else is graduating because of a class that I forgot that I needed, which almost actually happened to me. <clears throat> but it's instead of a class that I'd never signed up for, which is what happened to me, um, it's a class that I had signed up for and then just forgot to go to. And it's usually a math class because I don't like math. And oh my God. so like it's this whole guilt thing where like I've I've screwed up my my graduation time. I've wasted some of my parents' money. I um, like my friends are all leaving because they were planning on leaving and I'm stuck back no, in school. In this particular iteration, I um, when I when I came back fresh to school, I didn't recognize anyone, any teachers or kids, which wouldn't happen in real life. Right. There's there's always some overlap. But this I was like in this whole new setting and it was so sad. Um, Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, And also more apocalyptic in that same dream. The other thing that I have, I have recurring dreams about people either walking in on me while I'm using the bathroom or I have to use the bathroom and I can't find a toilet like I can find a bathroom. But either the toilets are all overflowed and gross and terrifying or I'll walk into a stall and there's just no toilet, like not a drain, just no toilet. So this one was a walking in on me. Uh, thing. And it was my mom. It was my mom. <laughs> Who, in real Come life, on. I wouldn't have even cared if Marsha walked in on me in the bathroom. Nobody ever closed the doors in the bathroom growing up, so. So, so Would then. You... Then, <laughs> then I woke up and I immediately, I was like, uh, at the end of, uh, this is not a spoiler, but at the end of work in progress, she finally finds a therapist. And I was like, I gotta get, I gotta get me one of those. <laughs> Gotta gotta hook up with a good good. (laughs) I can't remember if I've told you this here or privately or or not at all. Mm -hmm. It's any of the three are equal possibilities. Um, So one one of the most mortifying things that had ever happened to me before I don't know before I realized that a whole lot of mortifying things have happened to me um, was that when I was in college. When I was like 20, I had a dream. I I had a very, it's not a lucid dream. It was a very realistic dream. Sure. I was having a very realistic dream that I was like waking up and walking around my dorm and like, and, and I don't know, fucking getting a cup of coffee, whatever. And in my dream, like fucking Rasputin in Anastasia. Oh no. <laughs> in my dream, I can hear my dream brain being like, Hey, you should go pee. And I and some primal part of me was like, I should not go pee. 
And my dream brain was like, no, no, you've started the day. Go ahead. It's time. You have to pee. And I was like, um. And so, like, literally these two parts of my brain are doing this to each other. Mm. And in my dream, I, like, sit down on the toilet. And I was like, I don't know about this. And dream brain's like, yeah, yeah. Just do it. You have to pee. And I was like, okay. And so I put in the fucking hamster wheel Rube Goldberg mechanism that, I don't know, makes my body decide to urinate. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I wake up because I am peeing the bed. And I'm like, motherfucker, brain, quit it. (laughs) My brain tried so hard. My, my, my butt it was my body my body was like mm, this is not the place that we do this <laughs> no this is not how this goes it was, it's fine it's fine you Dream don't have brain, to stick it up it was tr- it was coaxing me <laughs> it was wow so soothing oh and it God. was like no what's there to worry about you smell the coffee in the kitchen like, oh my God. <laughs> And I was like, how dare you mislead me? Rude. Thank God it was a stupid, gross dorm bed. Oh, yeah, those are made of plastic anyway. In, right, right. I mean, not great for my sheets, but um, yeah, that was absolutely, I was like, oh, never, horrifying. Ag- trust no bitch, not even myself. <laughs> Amazing. Especially not you, dream brain. Uh, amazing. No, I have not. That I have not done, although there have been a number of times where I woke up and checked because I was so close to peeing in, yeah. in the dream. But I do mm-hmm. <clears throat> I do like to fart myself awake. That is something that I do <laughs> yes! frequently. Oh, my God. <laughs> but funny enough, I don't think I have ever farted in a dream or, like, thought about it. You know what I mean? I'm never like, oh, like, in the dream. Weird. <laughs> That, yeah, fair. Um, there are times that I have realized that my period has started in the middle of my dream, and I'm like, mm, oh, hey, you should probably wake up. Boo. <laughs> yeah. That used yeah, to be but- <laughs> very, I used to, when it used to happen, in because I used to get really, really, really bad periods, when I would wake up it with all of that, it was harrowing, a harrowing experience. Harrowing. Holy fuck. I, yeah. Uh, yep. 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 <laughs> Woo. I would like to recommend the Morena IUD to anyone who doesn't like having you their period. Would. Oh, my God. Yeah. I I cannot make the same. Oh, uh, nice sleep things. Mm. Nice, funny sleep things. So um, Bear, Bear does sleep with me at night, but he doesn't. He's not a cuddler. He gets really warm. Bear is so Jen's dog for anyone who just got here. I don't know why you would start <laughs> listening with the most recent episode, but in case you did. My sweet dog, Bear, um, is uh, he's he's a cuddler, but not really in bed because it gets too hot. So he's not like under the covers. He sleeps next to my legs or down by my feet. And last night he was like, oh, my cuddle and I was like oh my god so I scooped him into my arms I had a whole ass arm around him (laughs) and he buried his snoot in my neck oh I love that dog and he started okay so I I found this on google like dogs make like you know snorry sounds Mm -hmm. there's lots of soft palate action happening and 
I thought it was like dog snoring, but actually it's more akin to purring. Oh, that's real cute. And he did dog purring. I don't even know how long. He he slept like that with me under the blankets until he woke up panting. Aww. And then I was like, oh, baby, you're too warm. But the expectation was not, I would like to get out of bed. The expectation was, I'm too warm. You get out of bed and you let me see. And I was, like, was he pushing no, no. you with his feet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he loves that shit. Um, but it was so cute. You it was get so out of precious. Bed. I fixed. And I, <laughs> yes. I thought that was going to last for maybe like 10 minutes because it was so warm. But he was so happy. I full on fell asleep with him like that. Oh, buddy. Um, for I don't even know how long. It was really adorable. Very sweet. <laughs> no, no creepy, please don't pee your pants dreams. <laughs> God. Uh, oh, so I just got into Kevin Can Fuck Himself. I don't think I know what this is. Great. This is, I don't even know why I put it off. Oh, I think because I thought it was on FX, so I thought I could get it on Hulu. But it's not. It's on AMC. Okay. And I didn't have AMC access until very recently. I got it for some other reason. Probably to watch a movie mm-hmm. on Prime. And then Prime was like, hey, you can watch Kevin Can Fuck Himself now. And I was like, oh, all right. And then I ignored it for a while. So then <laughs> I was like, oh, hey, I did want to watch this show because everyone said it was amazing. So it stars Annie Murphy, who is Alexis Rose. Oh, um, right. It stars her. Oh, I have seen ads for this. Go on. It is fucking fascinating. Yay. It is a show that is half typical, shitty, multicam sitcom a la King of Queens, a la fucking Ray Romano. What's his show? Everybody Loves Raymond. Everybody Loves Raymond. That whole setup, half family guy. And then, but it's not about him. Okay. It's not about Kevin. Uh, who's played very masterfully by Eric Peterson. He's so good at just being this, like, slightly lovable, mostly awful schlub. Um, (laughs) But just lovable enough that you don't actually want to throw him into a pit of pythons. (laughs) Um, He, so it, see, it, it opens, the show opens like that. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I like Annie Murphy. I wonder what's so, uh what's so original about this show. And so she comes in and she sort of plays the Leia Remini role of like the pretty wife who just tolerates this guy Mm. and puts up with his bullshit. And then she leaves the room. And as soon as she leaves the room, bam, the aesthetic is more like Fargo. Oh, yes. Yes, that's right. That's right. So she's in two TV shows and one of them is starring her and one of the, yes, Mm mm-hmm. Yes. It's actually not unlike WandaVision, which miraculously I did watch. Oh, yay. Um, Good, good, good. uh, It's not unlike WandaVision in that, but really the the meat and potatoes of it is this, is that you're not centering the world around Kevin. You're centering the world around her character, Allison. very cool. And how bifurcated she feels of this performativity of having to be... The sitcom wife who just supports every dumb idea this oh, guy has. That's so beautiful. And the person that she 
cut herself away from becoming. Nice. And how she wants to become that person. It's beautiful and intense and and interesting. And I know you and I are always on the lookout for like who's the up and coming fat actor. And um, there is, uh, it's confusing because the woman, mm, what the hell is her name? I will want to say her name. The woman who plays the neighbor and best friend and now confidant slash uh, uh, who... Who does a crime with you? Accomplice. It starts with an A. Accomplice. And the accomplice. <laughs> I was like, with me personally, you. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Right. I am your accomplice. Right. Cool. We're just going to give it all away now. Okay. So this woman's name is Mary Hollis Inboden. She, uh, she's younger than me. Oh, she's got Andrew's birthday. Uh, she's younger than me. She's 35. And Mary Hollis Inboden is, uh, she plays the neighbor best friend. And But because the show is based in Boston, everybody's in a ton of layers. So you like can't tell if she's a fat actress. And oh. I'm like getting excited for the fat character. But then I look at pictures of her and she's not. But she just has a round face. Ah. Um, and she's got like chins. And I'm like... Ah, uh, fuck, you're like a 10. <laughs> oh, but that's a Hollywood fat. Like, it is Hollywood. Like, fat, whether we like it or not, like, I know. I look She's back very on- good. I do like her. <laughs> I was trying to describe Circle of Friends to somebody the other day, and I was like, there's like definitely jokes about Minnie Driver being fat or feeling fat, is probably more what it was. And when you look right. back on those pictures, it's like she just has a square jawline and big titties. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> She's just yeah. soft. <laughs> she's just soft. That's it. That's all she's got going. Um, so I watched the entire first season Ooh. of Kevin Can Fuck Himself. Right. It's on AMC somehow, whether they have their own platform, but I subscribe to AMC through um, Amazon Prime. So we have um, some journal entries to hit you guys oh with God. today. Um, is it okay if I go first? Please do. So I found. I'm excited. Wait, do you want to scare them first, or you want to make them, uh, or let's, or say, let's end on the be... spooky. Let's end on the spooky. Great. Okay, super. <clears throat> yes. And I'm gonna I'm try. So it's very hard for me to tell how long any of this is going to last from my from my journal stuff. Now I have read from this journal before, so there might be a tiny bit of overlap because I remember, I think, talking about a specific passage where the guy um, from Iolanthe was being super gross but maybe i only read that to you but regardless this is piggybacking onto like the weird theatrical experiences and there's more in here about another play that i was doing at the exact same time and a guy Uh. who i had a crush on from that who i completely don't even remember (laughs) but this is this is um for anyone personally interested in my timeline this is leading up this is in the very months before i met don who is now my husband uh okay 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 let's see let's see let's see um all right so i plop right into talking about iolanthe and this is um march of 2001 so it's also just before 9 11. uh chuck the musical director for iolanthe admitted to me that he feels somewhat like he's living and waiting for guffman (laughs) I love that analogy. Yes. And and think about this. We're only like 
uh, a couple of weeks into the rehearsal. We like we did the casting for Guys and Dolls, and then we couldn't get the rights, so then they changed it to Ionanthe. So we're like, we're not even in it yet, right? Um, yes. <laughs> let's see. My little David friend is back in Boston this week, who I, I definitely want to get on driving the boards. Um, my life has been remarkably peaceful. I take this as an indication to be on my guard. <laughs> Capricorn things. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, okay. Who? Oh, <clears throat> March 20th. Um, rehearsal on Saturday. This was for Lyanthe. St. Patrick's Day was a disaster. We had it at a rock and roll studio, and the guy who ran it was fucked up. I'm talking, he couldn't figure out how to turn off the security alarm or how to unlock the elevator so it would stop on the third floor, and he fell down a few times, and he couldn't find our name in the reservation book because he had been looking at the day before, and he wanted an extra $10 to move the grand piano away from the wall. Chuck's head almost exploded. Plus, we've lost five leads, and apparently now we're going to have to have re-auditions for Iolanthe. We went over to the director's job, which was, um, like, at a hotel in Midtown. We, like, walked from wherever this rock studio was as a group at, to this hotel in Midtown to have, like, a, <laughs> a conference about how we all wanted to handle the impending disaster. Afterwards, uh, Chuck grabbed me and we went to Howard Johnson's, which is right next to where the horrible Harlequin Studios was in Midtown. Yes. And drank coffee and each smoked half a pack of cigarettes apiece because you could smoke inside then. Uh, Zing-a-ding-ding-ding. And basically he bitched about how, like, the only people left in the show are people who can't sing very well. Wow. Uh, Except for me, Marty, Surreal, and Jamila. Having always described the bit as waiting for Guffman, he looks at me and says, I feel like I'm trapped on the island of misfit toys. It's true. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. Um, I'm just talking about hanging out with people. Uh, and I say that night I drank a little too much and I had a wicked nightmare about that freaky guy. He was following me around and this, this is not, the person's not important. Uh, this guy was following me around in the subway and then I saw someone get hit by a train and it all splattered up on the platform. Ew. But good news today. Oh no. Uh, my friend. Oh God. (laughs) My friend Randy and her friend who she says is straight and seems to be, except his turtleneck trendy glasses and, and. Haircut like Jack from Will and Grace. Uh, I wouldn't have known he was straight. But he said, he told us that Kevin Spacey hit on him once. And if... <gasps> oh, fuck. And then I wrote, and if that's not an impetus to come out, maybe he is straight. If not, that's a wasted opportunity. <laughs> oh, no. Oh! No, we did oh, not know fuck. then what we know now. <laughs> uh, Randy met me at UCB for two free shows. Apparently, Lauren Michaels had been there that night recruiting for Saturday Night Live, but we didn't actually see him. Um, and that kind of sealed my deal. I went and registered for classes today. Right in time, too, because they're filling up um, logistics, logistics. It's at Dick Shays at 69 West 14th Street between 5th and 6th, which that building is still there. I don't think it's a studio anymore, though. Um, the teacher is William Merritt, who's Billy Merritt, who's rather famous now. Like, he was he was a fantastic fucking teacher. But I love through this whole yes. thing, it's me trying to figure out who he is. And I'm like, oh, I think he's the big guy in the swarm later. I'm like, William. Anyway. Um, uh, 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 but, uh, I don't remember who he is, but he teaches weekend classes, so he must be pretty good. <laughs> what? Um, and then I start talking about how 
I have a crush on, I'm assuming I'm never going to meet this person, but if I did, he'd probably think it's funny. Uh, there was a performer at UCB at the time called, his name is Andrew Secunda. And he still, he still does plenty of stuff. Um, and I don't know, like, I don't know what it was about this dude, but I was into him. Yeah. In a, in a very weird and uncomfortable way. <laughs> um, and I talk about how, like, I actually, like, I physically run into him a couple of times and I try to talk to him, but then I'm just like, blah, and I run away. Uh, I feel like I feel like the clumsy girls they always put in movies with Cary Grant. <laughs> um, okay, amazing. Uh, oh, I'm a little tipsy, so I fear this will be more of a drunken ramble. Yep, probably. Uh, I went to Hugo rehearsal. Hugo was the other show that I was doing. Um, while I was rehearsing for Iolanthe, which was the show that we wound up putting on like in a, uh, a fluorescent lit classroom at NYU. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> God, that was your venue. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the whole thing, like it was, it was NYU grads who were like, we're making use of our resources here at NYU. <laughs> Cool. And by resources, I mean, we may as well have been in a courtyard. At least it would have been more comfortable. Um, oh, okay. So Randy and I, oh, we're at, we're at UCB. We're watching the swarm. Oh, one of the swarm guys is our teacher and his name is Bill something. I remember part of his name that time. Um, Randy and I had to sit on the radiator to see anything, uh, all the way in the back by the bathroom. This is the building that then got condemned for anybody who knows UCB. Um, <laughs> but I could see well enough to know that Andrew's fly was halfway down through the whole show. Yes. <laughs> Bless. Just staring so at his good. dick. So then Randy and I, uh, leave to meet somebody, uh, at the click club. Um, we take the F to the L and I'm talking about how I don't understand my attracted attraction to Andrew and how he's kind of goofy looking. Um, but like, there's something about it. And like, I'm just talking about him the whole time Then out of nowhere, this guy in a knit cap walks up behind Randy and looks confusedly past both of us then turns around and walks the other way. And it was Andrew Secunda. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. After I turn, after he turns around and grab Randy's arm in a vice grip, and we're both like, "What? Oh my god!" Um, uh, and uh, oh, and then and then so he we lose sight of him, but then he gets off at the same stop that we got off to get to the Click Club. <laughs> no. Um. Then I'm like this is the second time that I've run into him. And this is the day that I just signed up for classes. I can't believe it. This must be a good omen. (sighs) Poor little me. Poor little heart. Uh, Okay. So a couple days later, the Andrew Secunda situation is bad because I'm having a faraway infatuation. um, And he doesn't really know I'm alive unless he remembers me elbowing him in the stomach that time, which I doubt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can't see any way to meet him without trying to do some finagling with my new improv teacher, Bill, Bill Merritt, I'm still calling it Bill, who's in the swarm and probably friends with Andrew. Maybe I'll be so witty, I'll be the talk of UCB and everyone will want to be my friend. Oh, honey. <laughs> this is why I did not bring my tender little soul to UCB. Mm. I had a very good time at the beginning. The second time around, I think I told you, was not great. Um, but in the, in the 2000, like the very early 2000s, it was still like... 
Yeah. It was still fresh and like a lot of really good things were happening there. Okay. Um, again, about this evening's performance of Hugo. Uh, Sal. Okay. So this guy, Sal, who I was in Hugo with, um, I was a number of almost like the nerve that these people had to put on. It was about Victor Hugo up uh, to put on a short play that involved a bunch of extras slash small roles. No, if you're going to do that, like if you're going to do that, make it so that everybody has a meaty piece at the very least, if you know what I mean. Um, but I was, I was a bunch of tiny roles, including just like a prostitute in one scene. And all the prostitutes were like, yes, all the women were who weren't actively doing something else in the scene were prostitutes and just like busy lounging on me- on the other men. Right. So that was how Sal and I got to be friends. So um, uh, in the prostitute scene tonight, I was super flirty with him and I bit him on the neck and that surprised the heck out of him. That's how <laughs> bored I was in that show. Uh, I thought it was funny. So after the show, I go upstairs and there's two girls standing by the bathroom. And the first one grabs me and says, oh, my God, do you remember me? And I swear to God, it's this girl that I met at my very first audition in New York City for Theater Works. Her name is Miriam. She worked at Uno. She tried to get me a job there. She And she she is Sal's girlfriend. <laughs> cool. So as, if that, of course. so as if that wasn't enough, and believe me, it was, the second girl had oh, seen me no. in Counterfeit Straight, which was the play I did at, at WOW with my friend Randy. Oh, yeah. And as a friend of one of the girls who was in Randy's first show, Fried Chicken and Funeral Flowers. This city absolutely astounds me with its smallness. So no Sal for me. Uh, I don't need more guilt. Miriam's a very sweet girl. I'm sure they're great for each other. And then I just keep going awesome. back and forth about how like, he was so flirty with me. This guy. Um, and I talk about, like, some girl who I'm actually very close, like, close friends. Some girl named Elna, who I went to go see. Th- like, I hung out with this girl. I don't know who she was at all. Then I call someone else a stupid crab-infested hoe. Um, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Um, but... But that terrible play is how I met my friend Sean Bennett, who I've reconnected with. I've known him for years. He is... A wonderful person. He has acting stories, I am sure. Um, Yay. And I, I'm going to see him on Tuesday. Um, so I'm talking about hanging out with Sean, and we're basically, like, going gay club hopping. And this I think I read you part of, but I want to read the whole story about the drug dealer at the gay club. Oh, my God, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So... Uh, we go to, we went to Club XL, which is supposed to be the new Roxy. I say, like, like I hang out at any of these clubs. Like you're Liza Minnelli. Jesus Christ. Um, uh, but Sean and his friends were down at the coat check, and they were doing, I think, a cheer from maybe But I'm a Cheerleader had just come out, something like that. Um, and so we had all been very loud down at the coat check. Uh, we drank, uh, we were very drunk. Uh, I went to splash and at this point I am drunk out of my mind. They're all walking really fast. Weirdly enough, I remember this snapshot moment. Every time my foot hit the pavement and the ground did not give way under me, I was amazed. (laughs) (laughs) 
I did not trip on one curb or walk into one single signpost or in, fr- in front of any cabs. I did good. But we got to Amazing. splash. Oh, okay. And the and Sean's friends were doing a cheer for the coat check boys. And they got their coats checked for free. Um, and then we went upstairs to what seemed to me to be a labyrinth of bars leading to the dance floor. There were probably only three, but it seemed like many. Um, so the boys order, order more drinks. And in parentheses, I say, hollow leg. <laughs> and... <laughs> I hear someone behind me call my name and I turn around and I see this guy who looks like a a person I went to college with um, in a nice suit looking at me. I gave him a big friendly hug because he said my name and he was like, "Eh?" and and so I gave him a hug and then I was like, wait, I don't know who you are. (laughs) But I had just come from a, a party full of gay boys where everyone was like, you're so fabulous. Look at you. And I was just like, you know. I said I was acclimated to adoration for the night. So I said, do I know you? And he says, no, but I heard you guys down at the coat check and you're really cute. And I squint. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) Trying to focus him, some other stuff. And then do you want to dance? Of course, I was all about it and not suspecting a thing. I always get adopted by someone at a gay club. So we're dancing and he tells me his name is Andy. So, of course, I was like, Andrew Secunda, Andrew Um. Uh, I tell him about the club opening we were just at and that I was really drunk. Great idea. So we're dancing and he's holding me really tight, but I'm dancing with my eyes closed and apparently smiling, which he comments on. And then he says, you know, I'm probably the only straight guy here. And my poor marinated brain is not making heads or tails of the situation. So I ask him what he's doing there. And he says, I sell party favors. Now, no one I had told a story to understood it right off, but, but of course... I, because I'm hip to the lingo, I know it meant he was a drug dealer. Go, go me. You're so hip. I love you. And I'm immediately sketched out, but trying to play it cool. And then he kind of says, so if you need anything, and of course I let him know I was doing just fine. Thank you. Also, I just told him I was wasted. Um, We're dancing and I realize he's unbuttoning my shirt. I thought he only got one button, but apparently I wasn't paying close attention. He says, I hope I'm not being too forward. And why, why do I say, of course not. But my drunk ass is like, well, it's only one button. And then he says, I really like your look. Um, And then he touches my collarbone and then he moves his hand inside my shirt to my breast. Whoa. And that was when I was like, whoa. (laughs) Oh, no, I hate it. Time to exit the situation. So now I let him know that, yes, he was being too forward. I looked at him and realized my shirt is almost completely undone. And then he says, relax. It's a gay club. What kind of sense does that mean? I don't see you take off taking off your shirt, motherfucker. So I tell him I'm going to be sick, and would he point me towards the bathroom? <laughs> Leave it to me to find the sleazy straight drug dealer and splash, finding the needle in the gay stack. Solid. I think I'm going to skip this, but basically we, we went to Culture Club, which was this uh, 80s-themed bar that had a light-up dance floor. And, yes. um uh, 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 I budgeted 20 bucks for the evening anyway. Remember when you could go out for $20? Uh, oh my God. So the cover was 20 and I, I was like, that seems expensive. Everyone is in the corner, um, listening to some music. Jamila asked how much longer this band would be playing. And the bouncer says two more songs and the DJ would take over. So we scope around and finally see all of us are like, we don't like this music. We don't like this music. I hope it's not playing all night. And then Jamila goes, oh, tell me it's not. That looks like Tone Loke. And sure enough, we got in just in time to hear Wild Thing. Oh, my 
Oh, the place was like, wow. Uh, uh, There's a big Rubik's cube spinning like a disco ball, a model of the DeLorean from Back to the Future, walls painted with Dayglow Keith Herring people, a Boy George impersonator dancing on a box, um, St. Elmo's Fire and Ferris Bueller's Day Off playing on monitors throughout the club. So we're grooving and we're laughing at all the other people who can't dance, which I haven't, I've people watched in a long time, or I haven't seen in a long time, having only been going to gay clubs. <laughs> Great. Oh. So this guy comes up to Jamila and says, are you ready for me? And Jamila says, oh, please, are you ready for me? And he, Yes. And then she asks if he can dance. And he says no. And she says, well, goodbye then. <laughs> and I remember thinking <laughs> she was so fucking rad. I mean, Jamila's rad for a million reasons. Oh, God. Um, so good. I have, I have one more bit. About Iolanthe. Sunday, April 29th. So this is like a month from the first time when we were like, maybe this isn't so great. So the, so the show is a mess. I just got off a sh- the phone with Chuck and then with Randy. The three of us are meeting tomorrow to try to salvage the show. Um, oh, Randy had sunk money into it. Right, right, right. Uh... Other, oh, no. <laughs> um, oh, that's unfortunate. Chuck didn't go to rehearsal on Saturday because he didn't know about it. People aren't coming to rehearsals or just not coming prepared. Um, people don't know their music. We don't really understand the artistic direction. <laughs> um, the music director's talking about walking out. The costume designer didn't show up to take measurements until after rehearsal. Um, oh, my God. I've had a crazy couple of days. Um Bah, bah, bah. I don't want to go to rehearsal at all today. I can't walk like a man. <laughs> <laughs> I was very in my head about that. And everyone is looking pretty ridiculous at this point. Let it die. Um, no. Uh, Nate is flirting is flirting up a storm with me. Blah, blah, blah. Take mm. me back to the club. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> I definitely read you the things about Nate where he was like, um, when I was like walking in groups makes me remember how short my legs are and then he was like that's funny they're really long in all my dreams like he was so specifically flirty with me and then did not want to make out with me but that's fine because as previously mentioned fish and onions <laughs> um, oh I would really like to get to know Duncan he's just precious he was wearing an animal cracker shirt the other day and it was great yes <laughs> It was great. <laughs> that's a I good, didn't even see it, and I know it yep, in my heart. That's a good. That's a good place to stop. <laughs> and then, and that was when I, I had. Uh, and then I went to Duncan's birthday party, and I met Don, and then I married him. <laughs> the end. The that end. That is the end, right? That is. That's what we were supposed to be listening for. Yes, I'm actually. It's not super surprising <laughs> that I didn't write more about the specifics of the, of the, of the drama with the show and more just about the specific people who were doing dumb shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm pouring through I'm pouring through what I want to read you and in route to getting to where I have to go, there uh there is something from when I was fifteen where I learn that someone that I have a crush on like someone else Ooh. 
and then none of my friends can hang out with me. And so I start listening to Boys to Men so that I can cry. Yes. The perfect cry music. Oh, my God. Perfect cry music. Uh, okay. So, so crazy. Um, uh, where is it? Here. Nope. Boys no. to Men. ABC. BBD. BBD. Okay, so this is, this is um, a vacation that I got to take with my parents and Brittany, and we went to Rocking Horse Ranch upstate. Oh. I forget what town it's in, but it's like New Park. I have heard of Rocking Um, Horse Ranch for sure. mm -hmm. So my family, uh, my parents... Loved going to dude ranches, particularly in places where they made sense. Right. Yeah, because this is not your I, only dude ranch story at all. No, not at all. But this is definitely the one that I had as a teenager in the throes of teenageness. And I don't know why we went so close. I guess maybe just to try it out. But we went to Rocking Horse, and because it wasn't the kind of expense that it would have been to go to like Colorado, and probably also because they had the common sense to give me a distraction from them mm-hmm. and to be able to have me not be alone. They were like, why don't you take Brittany? And I was like, yes, great. That's so great. I got to take my best friend on this vacation. And this is the summer that I had just turned 16. <laughs> so it's a journey. Nice. All right. This is the end of July. It's July 31st, the year 2000. This ranch is so fun. Okay, so we left at 1 o'clock, and I drove all the way into New York. I don't, I can't even fathom that my parents let me yeah, at drive 16. on the thruway. Wow. Yeah, because I had my permit. I don't know. That seems strange. When we got to the ranch itself, I was less than wowed. It's nothing like Colorado. <laughs> but it's more like a cruise ship with a Western theme. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Plus, the lifeguard for the indoor pool is really hot. But he knows I'm obsessed. So it's no fun. (laughs) But still, it's wonderful. I'm looking forward to banana boating, karaoke, and riding horses tomorrow. Question, what is banana boating? You, oh my god. Okay, so banana boats are, they look like, uh, they look like, um. Bananas? (laughs) Yeah, yes, and they look like. Uh, they look like water planes. Oh, oh, um, okay. I, right? Yeah, I can picture it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a banana boat is basically one giant floating banana that get. it's a big, I think it's just a tube, and it gets pulled behind a speedboat, and everybody sits on the banana and holds on, and you all sit on it like ants on a log. I love it. Yeah, that's a banana boat. It's pretty much... I mean, this is this is like fucking cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> so, I could not wait. Oh, and there's lots of cute guys. Even though the atmosphere is so big, there are no groups where you, like, meet people. Tonight, Bree and I were alone in the arcade with the jukebox, and we butt danced to Vogue. So fun! <laughs> um, and then the next day, I wrote, 
Today was so busy. So we got up at nine, ate breakfast and went riding. We both went on the beginner trail and Bree did just fine. Then I met a wrangler who saw my room key and was like, 246, huh? What's your name? Who are you with? You got a boyfriend? Etc. He was cute too. I was clearly not concerned with the fact that this was a grown ass man and I was 16. Oh, well. <laughs> anyway, so then Bree met some guy who was all hardcore and liked... <laughs> The band Kitty, which was sort of in the vein of like Orgy and um, Insane Clown Posse. Okay, that Brittany one I know. Was... I was like, I like that you think I'm cool enough to know a band called Orgy. <laughs> it was hardcore. It was hardcore of the late 90s, okay. early aughts. He looked like Alfalfa, though. Oh, no. <laughs> His name was Ken. <laughs> then tonight, we finally met. What we called the M&M's, two blonde guys who've been following us around forever. One is really cute, so I don't care. The other one is Eric. Wait, the, oh, the cute, the cute one is Eric. The okay one is Brian. Aw. Bree and I also mini-golfed and played tennis today. We had lots of fun. I think that's the first time in a while that I've willingly played a sport. Well, it's been a long night of karaoke, too. Uh, I sang really well, and all these people were talking about me. Oh, and before karaoke, they had a square dance, and my mom was jazzercising. Oh, my God. <laughs> Barbara. <laughs> Calm down, Barbara. <laughs> Uh, August 2nd, 2000. Wow. Well, this morning when we went riding, I decided to go to the expert group. I had a feeling that something bad would happen, but unfortunately I ignored it and I just kept going. No, no. Dad had told me to be careful. You forget a lot of the physical aspects of riding when you've taken a long break from it. So I rode a bit with this super hot wrangler named Rich. But I was having lots of trouble keeping in the saddle, so I was pulled into intermediate with my 246 Wrangler Ken. There are a lot of Kens <laughs> who kept teasing me and flirting with me until he basically asked me how old I was. Mm. And when I told him he was 16, he seemed pretty set back. Oh my. <laughs> He's 21. So needless to say, I was a tad bit upset. Whoops. <laughs> then our friend Ken the alfalfa can, kept bothering us and we weren't very happy so we pretended that we weren't in our room and then dashed off to the playground when he was gone. There we met two cuties who were 18 but massively into drugs and shit and I didn't like that so it was a pleasure talking to them but no thanks. <laughs> then, okay, I'm going to preface this by saying uh, this was a span of time where uh, Gabby and our friend Kelly and I it was like a joke that everyone was hot Mike. We knew a ton of Mikes and we all had respective crushes on Mikes and they were all adorable. So whenever we met a, a Mike that we then had a crush on, he was hot Mike number whatever. I love it. So at dinner, we had a new waiter whose name was Mike. <laughs> and he was really hot and had a Greg smile, which Greg is the one. My first, like, obsession for when I was 13. He had a great smile. I acted like such a tool in front of him. Ugh. <laughs> After dinner, uh, our table mates left us, and we found them chatting up no other than lifeguard man. Bah! And he still thinks I'm stalking him. Ugh. I haven't even looked at him in two days. Oh, well. Good night. <laughs> Then, oh god, August 3rd, what must it be like to work at a place like that? 
good lord. <laughs> August 3rd, 2000. Gah! I woke up this morning with the worst aches and pains I could have ever imagined. My muscles are so sore. So at breakfast, our waitress Samantha saw us, and I asked her about hot mic number 306. So that's who <laughs> nice. the waiter became. Well, get this, he's a senior. Yay, I thought he was like 23. So I was mucho psyched. <laughs> then I went intermediate riding, but trotting was too hard on my boobs, so I got in beginner on by request. Stalker Ken left today, but he faked us out of it like five times. He kept coming back like Madonna. Then at dinner... <laughs> Um, like our table mate filled me in on the lifeguard. One, he was never laughing at me. Two, he's 16. Yay! Woohoo! And also, Samantha had said that she'd put a good word in for me with Hot Mike 206 at dinner. 306 at dinner. He was staring at me and smiling. Ooh, he gave me shivers like Greg used to. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the best part. I entered in the talent show to sing Anything Goes against a bunch of cute kids, and I won a free three-day, two-night stay here at the ranch. What? Cool, right? Oh, my God. Suck it, kids. <laughs> August 4th, 2000. Oh my god, so much happened today. First of all, at the stables, Bree's horse shoved its massive head into the trough and splashed around, which was thoroughly amusing. Then Hot, hot Wrangler Rich wasn't mean. He gave me a double take and then politely escorted me out of the arena when I was done. I was so surprised. Later, we went to the giant the, to the dining hall to the vagina. Later, <laughs> the we vagina went hall. to the dining hall, and all these people found me and congratulated me on last night's victory. I was. Oh, no, I'm re not reading that. No. <laughs> this afternoon, we went down to the grill to see Jeff, who kept giving us free food, so sweet, and talked with us for an hour or two. We found out, one, he has a girlfriend. Two, he's going to be in college in January, so he's not nearly as old as I thought he was. And Lindsay and her family left, so at dinner... We had a whole new family at our table. However, Hot Mike 306 did not wait on us, so I was a tad bit upset. There was a big lightning storm, and a bolt took out a tree and a teepee in the playground. Whoops. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> Whoops. August 5th, 2000. Wow. This morning, Ken was on our trail ride, and my horse was sassing his. I pulled the reins and said, don't sass, and my horse behaved. And Cowboy Ken was like, wow, you're going to make a great wife someday. And we got a pic of him holding our room key. Jennifer! <laughs> Jesus Christ! My God, you were on a rampage. Oh, I can't even. Then... We followed, uh, uh, then we followed Dustin, who, if I recall correctly, was the, um, was like the, he was, he was housekeeping. We followed Dustin down to the grill to see Jeff, and we got a pic of him, too. Where are these pictures? I went on the banana boat with mom at 2.30, which was lots of fun. Later before dinner, I saw the hot lifeguard, Mike, also Mike? Alone in the pool, I asked Brie if I should go talk to him, and she's like, don't be a wuss. So I went in, and we talked for like 20 minutes about school and stuff, and he's really down to earth and sweet. Then at dinner, Hot Mike 306, lifeguard being 307, wasn't our waiter. However, he was waiting on the table next to us, and my parents conveniently decided to embarrass me by singing some song super loud. And oh my god, I was like... <laughs> 
crap. <laughs> then I went out. <laughs> then I went out of the dining hall and I wanted to talk to pool Mike. So Bree went to the room. I feel so bad. Well, I talked to him for like two hours about him being popular and how he hates how all these people are fake and etc. He's a football player, 16, a junior, and he hates being popular. He said how... <laughs> oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, sisters. He said how only sluts and whores hit on him and how he hasn't any nice girls in his school and he can't talk to them like he can talk to me. I'm a cool girl. Ew. Oh, my God. Red it's flags. literally the plot of a movie. Yes. <laughs> Red flags everywhere. Red so flag we talked mentioned. forever. And you can so bet I'm getting his AIM name. <laughs> we both had a really nice convo, I think. And when he had to close up, I dashed to our room and hugged Bree, yelling, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Then we went down to karaoke and my voice is so shot. So I sang like a sea lion. Oh, well, <laughs> I love my halls. <laughs> um, Saturday, August 5th, 2000. Um... E okay, I was so sick today, we didn't even go riding. We just slept till my throat could swallow. Lifeguard Mike was not here today, and I was super upset. Well, until about 15 minutes ago, anyway. So today was Waiter Mike Day. Wow. Now, he didn't wait on us, but after dinner, I went to go talk to Samantha and Amanda, the other waitresses, about him, and Samantha gave me her email, Addie. Mike was staring at me the whole time. Then when the kitchen staff was cleaning up, I kept missing Mike and being very sad. But then I sat down with Bree in the hunt room and he walked in and she shouted out, Mike, can I take a picture of you? And he was like, okay. So she took a picture with my camera and he started talking to me like, so you were talking to Samantha and Amanda, huh? And I got kind of nervous because I thought he knew I was talking to them about him. But I was like, yeah, they're really nice. Then he said he was going to give me his email address and I went into the kitchen just as he did Samantha came out with her friend and was all excited. Her friend goes, are you the one that likes Michael? And Sam was like, oh, God. Uh. He came up to me after we talked and would not leave me alone. He was like, what did she say? What did she say? I finally told him I gave you my email. And he was like, oh, you should give her mine, too. So then he came out and gave me a slip of paper with his email on it. And he was like, I'll talk to you later and left. Oh, my God. I am so happy. All of my dreams are coming true. (laughs) Wonderful. Which I got to tell you, this was the most perfectly anything like this had gone thus far. This is I'm in awe. I never had a streak like this. This is fucking amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of astounding. Um, Then the next day we left. And when I got home, I emailed him and what I say Uh, I said the gist was basically, hi, Mike, this is Jen. You gave me your email last night. You're really sweet and outgoing. Write me back. Um, So I bet I'll get something by the 18th when I get home from camp. And then I go to camp. And this this is the camp that I told you about, the co-ed situation, which was also just. Oh, my God. So, okay, so you're home from you're home from Rocking Horse Ranch and then you're back off again to another immediately the next day, I think. Um, yeah, I think we got there and then, and then immediately had to go in. Dang. So I could not find, I could not find where I would have written this. I was having trouble seeing it. Um, because, 
at some point I do write about it. I know I did. Um, he was really sweet. I wish I could find this. He was really, really sweet. And he continued to tell me about himself. And basically, as he did, what became clear was he was a juggalo. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is not where I thought this story was going. Oh, my good Lord. I know. No. I know. I know. I know. No. So ridiculous. So ridiculous. Oh, my God. Yep. Oh, yep. fuck. Yeah. Because, you know, we were like, oh, what movies do you like? Oh, what shows do you like? Oh, what bands do you like? Oh, here we go. Wait. Nope. Not yet. Um, I, I, I don't know when I got this email. I have to try and find it because I know I wrote about it because I was very, very disappointed. Oh, my God. I was like, no, everything else was perfect. But, you know, this nice, this otherwise really cute, nice-looking kid was, just had to be resort professionals. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know, his little, as I recall, like, a little mop of, like, goldeny red curls was on top of it. He, I, rem- I can't fathom that I have these pictures. <laughs> I've never seen these pictures. I wonder if Brittany has them. Ah, <laughs> oh, so good. Brittany. <laughs> when I there was another passage that I didn't read where I was like the more I get to know Sal I just don't like I don't get the things that he's into he's really into anime I thought was some, that was something you grew out of <laughs> <laughs> sorry to all of our friends who like anime I have no I have no ill will about it now but apparently no, I, I was so very put off <laughs> I was just I was just so disappointed Aww, I was that's... like no Truly, truly terrible. Truly terrible. I know, right? Like, it was just, it was so pure and so gentle. And he was so truly, like, down. And uh, and I was like, oh. And if you're listening and you don't know what a juggalo is, don't let us explain it to you. (laughs) Google the word (laughs) J-U-G-G-A-L-O. Do yourself a kindness. Man, how long did it take for this to be revealed? I don't know. I can't even fathom. I can't fathom. If I ever find it, I will read it again. Uh, so great. Yeah, so um, that was probably just like the most hormone. It was like, it was like, it was like a fire hydrant of hormones. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't the year of Greg, which was where I was just like, Greg, <laughs> only Greg all the time. Uh, it was just definitely like being 16. My body was becoming the body that it would basically be now. I like that you and just looked all- around. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever this came from. The expanse of this situation. <laughs> and like a whole bunch of young men who were almost certainly looking to like hook up with guests and blah 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 but being 16 and uh, and the fact that I had to get really excited when someone was under 18 yeah yeah well finally someone age appropriate (laughs) ah god (laughs) so good so good (sighs) amazing (laughs) 
summertime and the living is easy. <laughs> Would you like to hear? Oh, every we were all such creeps. Oh my god, such creeps. Epic. When I look back, like I and, and again, like the people who you don't even remember. Now that I'm thinking mm. about, like I think I can put a face on Sal, but I definitely can't put a face on that Miriam Uno's girl. Um, mm. I, uh, uh, I I then go on to talk about like people in my UCB class who I might hook up with, um, and <laughs> like that definitely did not happen. <laughs> Look at you just making all these unilateral plans. Listen, I was very open-minded. You were. <laughs> Who knows what women the day on a bring. on a fucking on a, on, a, on, on a mission on the on a mission or on the verge. <laughs> uh, truly, uh, yes. Would you like to hear a scary story from Jersey Bill? I absolutely would. Yes. Okay. So this a is percent. this is actually. Uh, not as long as I thought it was. It's just like a page and a half. <clears throat> okay. Jezebel Scary Stories. This is from a user whose name is Not Yours to Love, which I'm into. Um, okay. This happened when I was around seven and living in a yes. small farm town. You like this one? Yeah. Yes. And a small farm town outside of Chicago. Each night I'd go to bed and from the ceiling above me, a little girl in the shape of a shadow would watch me. I recall she had this curly, untamed hair and no facial features, but she definitely read as a little girl around my age. I told my very religious mother about this, and at first she said it must be my guardian angel. My mom would have said something like that. She also told me not to stay up late reading books with the lights on, and that it does things to my head. I was confused by that because I never read books at night. I did. Uh, she figured it couldn't be all bad as the little shadow girl never did anything to me. She never even spoke to me. After a few months, though, I started having these terrible dreams. I'd go to sleep and see horrific car accident scenes and murders, a man inviting me to go into a maze with him or a large angry person <gasps> chasing me. Oh, the maze. Yeah. That made my pee cold. Uh, as the did it tell you to pee as well? Because yes. that's a trap. Come into the maze and pee. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap um, as the chaser dropped their hand on my shoulder something would pry my eyes open and I'd suddenly be awake in my bed staring up at the little shadow girl fuck I started to think something might be up with her I'd scream and cry and ask my mom to sleep with me but she didn't want to my father told me the little girl was just a reflection in the window or a figment of my imagination they both tired of me talking about her the shadow girl watched me until I was probably nine or ten years old. That is a long time. God damn it, no. Then she gradually faded back into the ceiling where she came from, and I didn't think of her for years. Over time, I chalked up her presence to my wildly out-of-control imagination. In my 20s, my brother and I decided to go back to the home where we'd grown up to visit. We decided... In my 20s, my brother and I decided to go back to the home where we'd grown up to visit. A family we'd mm -hmm. known from our town had purchased it so they were happy to invite us in and let us check out the old haunt again i've always wanted to do that to be able to go back to somewhere where i lived i've never oh, been yes. able to do that i've never not lived where my mom lives now ah. so when uh when we got well just anytime like any apartment over the like even oh, as a grown-up true 
Um, When we got to what had been my room, the mother of the new family became for the first time very sheepish and was hesitant to let us in. She mumbled something about bad spirits and this is the room they don't use. I suspected she may have had an encounter with a shadow girl and I laughingly said, wait, have you guys seen the ghost girl too? The woman's face drained of color. That is no ghost, she said. She told me she'd seen the shadow girl in my former room mostly, but also walking around her home and into her children's bedrooms at night. The woman had called her psychic sister-in-law to do a mini exorcism, and the sister-in-law's chance had not gotten rid of the spirit entirely, but had relegated her to this room. At the time, the sister-in-law had half-jokingly called the spirit a soul hunter. The fuck? At this point, I wasn't freaked so much as amused. I also felt justified that I hadn't been imagining things all those years. When I got home, I called my mom to let her know that there had been a ghost girl who watched me and the new family had corroborated my experience. During this call, my mother became shifty and obtuse, and I sensed there was something from back then she hadn't told me. I pressed my mother to tell me what was up. My mother said that there had been several nights where she'd walk past my door at night and see this unusually bright light coming from the sides of and beneath my door. No. For a time, she thought it was me with my light on reading the American Girl doll series or something and ignored it. But then when I started talking about the little girl, she'd become more curious. God damn it. One night (laughs) after seeing this light, she'd peered into my room and saw a giant glowing orb floating over my body wasn't a car light or reflection this was some kind of mini planet standing guard over my body in the next moment i had shot up suddenly awake and she'd run to comfort me and tell me to go back to sleep since this hadn't been a shadow she being deeply religious assumed that i'd mistaken a friendly angel for a ghost but now both her and i are convinced whatever she said was protecting me from the little shadow girl who is not a girl at all and every moment i'd shoot up suddenly awake from whatever horrific nightmare i'd be having it was that orb thing pulling me back from some predator in a dream no (laughs) but then she's like just go back to sleep after you saw something glowing over your child's body No, i won't sleep with you in this room it's definitely a guardian angel what no no what no 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 absolutely not absolutely not okay all right this all right i'd love to stay nope i'd love to share a story with y'all that i love though it is not my own It was told to me by my very sweet, very Irish mother-in-law, who after telling me soups casually, her grandmother survived the Boston Strangler by beating the shit out of him with her cane over dinner. Oh my God. I've learned to shut up and listen when she decides it's scary story time. Buckle up, because it's one of those that'll stick with you, reminding you that the world is fucked up and creepy, or so we hope, with this crowd. So back in the early 60s, when the world was pretend safe and kids could ride bikes after dark, ooh, I got going, <laughs> only getting abducted 10% of the time, my mother-in-law was a kiddo, and her family moved into <laughs> her family moved into a military base after her father was restationed. Her sister was in college and was staying with them while she tried to cram some summer studies in. She describes the place as typical small town charming. Not a ton of folks around, but lots of lovely nature, etc. 
She and her sister shared a room, and her sister used their closet like a little desk area where she'd study late into the night before climbing into bed. The other part of the duplex was occupied by a sweet old vet in a wheelchair that would hang out on the front porch all the time, and they'd all make polite small talk with him when they went in and out. He looked pretty sick and feeble, so they'd give him leftovers from their dinner, etc., to make sure he was eating all right, that kind of thing. So after a few weeks of staying there, my mother-in-law's sister starts saying things like, I keep hearing footsteps going up and down some stairs. I think there might be ghost children still here. It was weird because it's a single-story house. There used to be an attic, though, but um, there used to be an attic, though no way to access it. So my mother-in-law chalked it up to her needing attention. A week later, she'd say things like, You guys, I'm hearing scratches behind my walls. Do you hear that? Do you not hear that? I'm pretty sure it's these ghost children. And the following week, it would be, Ugh, it's getting so creepy. I can hear the ghost children breathing behind my wall while I try to sleep. And I keep smelling smoke. Do you think they died in a fire? All that good stuff that you hear in these kinds of vintage spooky stories. She was clearly tuned into something in the house that nobody else was experiencing. And being a practical lot, nobody was really keen to investigate. Months pass. Nothing came of it. The summer ended. Life went back to normal. The sweet old vet that used to live in the duplex next to them passed away, and they were offered the opportunity to expand their little living space across the rest of the property, which they hopped on pretty quickly. So once all of his things were relocated, my mother-in-law and her father dropped in to do a quick walkthrough of the additional unit to see what they were working with, figure out if there was a way to join the two units, etc. So they're walking through the unit, looks just like theirs, mirrored in that spooky way you see your apartment neighbor's units, that when you visit for the first time, you're socially required to say shit like, wow, it's like my place, but backwards. (laughs) And everyone pretends that's interesting because there's nothing else to talk about. But there's this door they find in the kitchen that they definitely don't have in theirs. So they open it. Before them is a set of stairs that goes up, which is weird because they're in a one-story motherfucking floor plan. So they figure it's the attic, in which case she follows her dad up the stairs to see what's up there. Fun! The stairs stop at a weird landing and then start to go down again. No. What the fuck? No. So no attic. But now they're definitely going down toward their original unit, and they start to get confused now. Where the fuck is this going if there aren't any doors in their place leading out? Why do people design things like this? It makes zero sense. Well, at the bottom of the second set of stairs, they're met with a musty, dank smell that hits them like a brick wall. They find a light switch that illuminates a room no larger than a typical half-bath. And it's absolutely disgusting. There are liquor bottles everywhere. Dirty magazines are stacked up like a lazily made side table next to this broken lawn chair with an overflowing ashtray of snubbed cigarettes teetering on top. Oh, God. They were so confused until they noticed light coming from a few holes in the walls. They peeked through and realized they were looking directly into the closet of my mother-in-law's bedroom. The very closet her sister would sit in and study Mm. into the wee hours of the night. Oh, God. Turns out 
That sweet old vet had been watching her for months, drinking, smoking, and thumbing through porn while casually looking through the peepholes at his leisure. The fire the ghost kids died in had been the smell of his cigarette smoke. As if it was only accessible by stairs, well, he clearly wasn't (gasps) wheelchair-bound at all. No, thank you. Fuck that. The end. <laughs> no, thank you. Fuck that. The end. Uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. my God. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-uh. Yes. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. God. <laughs> yes. Yes. People living behind the walls stuff, that torments me. Uh, I started a terrible movie that stars Gary Busey called (laughs) Hider in the House. Oh, no. It's awful. (laughs) You're far better spending your Gary Busey shekels on Silver Bullet, (laughs) in which he's bananas. He's so great. I feel like Gary Busey's shekels are not, like, actual money, but the emotional cost of watching this man. That's exactly what I mean. Your Busey spoons. (laughs) So good. Have you seen Gary Busey Pet Judge? You told me about this. No, I have not. No, you mentioned this. Oh. You mentioned this in like the last 20 seconds of one of our episodes. Mm. <laughs> Gary Busey's a solid closer. What can I say? Oh, my God. So good. In Hider in the House, first of all, it's so um, it's so ableist because it's like Gary Busey's the grown version of this child who was in a very, very, very abusive home. So it's basically like being abused as a kid is going to make you an absolute, you know, lunatic. Uh. Like he was heavily abused as a kid, but he he exits his time in an institution and decides he wants to live in a house again. So he finds this house that's being built and he falls in love with it. And it's like this giant, I don't know, it's being built. So it's new. It's a house built in the 80s. But like he goes in and it's sort of like an old timey 1800s house where there's a full on stairway up to the attic. Mm. And he goes into the attic and he boards himself in there. And he just peers at this family and he like takes on the family as his own. It's sort of hand <laughs> that rocks the cradle a little bit. Yuck. Um, uh it's unsettling and it's also not great. Oh, and Michael McKean oh. plays the husband okay. who actually lives in the house and he's supposed to be a dick and he's really bad at it because he's Michael McKean. Who the fuck gets it that way? That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But you know, the real meat and potatoes is Gary Busey lives in your attic and nobody <laughs> knows. Yeah, I would rather sorry. have potatoes, please. Sweet dreams, don't pee in your sleep. (laughs) That's it. That's the tweet. Bye. Bye, fuck buddies. (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing. Bye. (laughs)